You know, I think we all sat there in March of 2020 and we were processing what was going on around us and trying to envision what the next year might look like. Just remember just being like, what are we going to do? At that point, we had done everything in a studio. So everything we had learned, we had a sound guy, we had you, <laughs> we had all the equipment. During COVID, you know, it was like either stop doing what you're doing, but we didn't feel like it was the right answer at the time. And we had a great sound guy, Daniel Turek, who became my consultant and said, yeah, man, you can do a home studio and you can uh, use your office. Man, it just opened so many doors for us. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own because I got my own space, you know? If you're considering podcasting, but the tech and the equipment part feels a bit overwhelming and it's getting in the way of your start, then my guest today, Scott Slaughter, the co-host and a producer on the podcast, The Only One in the Room, does an amazing job in this episode of not only sharing with us his whole story around the hurdles and growth he had along the way, but he also shares with us his journey from kind of starting as a wingman to helping build a platform for his partner, Laura Cathcart Robbins, who we actually talked with last week, who wanted to develop more of a presence as a writer. But Scott also found his own voice along the way, becoming not just an integral part of the show's content, but also shares his story around leaning in and conquering the technical that came with building his own studio quality at-home recording space last year when all went remote. His decision to walk through those fears only to find more creative freedom and empowerment on the other side is what today's episode is all about. And quite frankly, it's also what is at the core of what podcasting is all about. And it's the reason the show stayed alive and exponentially grew its listenership. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. And we are on the topic of podcasting this season, and we're talking with people who have amazing experiences to share with you and the skills they've learned along the way. The year we just had in 2020 forced us all to become shut-ins, hobbyists, re-evaluators of our lives and what matters, home office creators, and even more of us became podcasters. And those of us who did, along with those of us who already were podcasting, we're faced with the challenge of becoming home studio creators and producers, mm. a skill that used to be left to the professionals or those very serious audiophiles who felt it worth it. And in March, USB microphones sold out along with the toilet paper, and my clients were rushing around to order what they needed to keep going through the process to create their studios from home. So we all did the 2020 pivot and learned what we needed in order to move forward with our messages and missions. And my guest today was no exception, but he did become exceptional at what he designed at home to create the studio quality sound the show was accustomed to having. And they increased their release schedule from two releases a week, which is already more than most, to four releases a week. Needless to say, there was a lot to be said. So welcome the co-host and now in-home producer of the show, The Only One in the Room, also known as Laura Cathcart Robbins Hun, Mr. Scott Slaughter. <laughs> hey, Barcy. Hey. How are you? I'm great. Welcome. So glad to have you here. I'm Hun. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. Yay. I feel, I feel like I've been here before. 
<laughs> I feel like you've been here before as well, probably mm-hmm. because we've had many, many, many conversations online. Yes, in the last yes. Year and a half. we have a little history, don't we? We do. Do you want to uh-huh. talk a little bit about how this all began? Um, well, I, I honestly feel like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I think uh, you are pro- probably one of my better teachers and more patient people that I've I've come across in the industry. And I think, uh, you know, I came into podcasting a couple of years ago not knowing much about it, you know, really. And you uh, took my hand. And I think I might have said to you in the very beginning, explain this to me like I'm in fourth grade. You did say um, that. Uh-huh. And uh, that's my way of sort of taking down my defenses because my ego wants to pretend like I know more than I do and it often gets me in trouble Um, but you were right there and and started from ground zero and took our lofty ideas and put them into practical use and practical play and uh, we are here two and a half years later and I think we're at at like over a million downloads Uh, and we're definitely over a million almost a million and a half I think 1.7 or something Uh, with the majority of those coming in the last I don't know less than last year so mm-hmm. it's been a lot of work and you've been uh, our producer and our cheerleader. Um, it's been great. Thank you for that. It's mm-hmm. been an amazing, amazing journey for myself as well. It's been a really in-depth and full rounded process that's gone through a lot of stages, I think. And part of what we're talking today is some, some of the stages that we went through or that we had to go through. Specifically, you two had to go through in order to keep this all going mm. when things got uh a little strenuous and frankly needed a pivot because we were yeah. recording in studios to make sure the sound was as professional as possible. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we went for right off the bat. I think you remember me talking about uh, wanting the quality of the show to be at a certain level. And then we would learn how to put the content in. And um, yeah. I think we did a great job of it. You uh, you took that concept in and like I, I always say like you build a nice structure and then fill the, fill it in with content as you go and, mm-hmm. and have all the pieces and sound quality was the first thing I think I noticed as a as a listener like I was very attracted to content but if it sounded like it was in a closet or somebody's room I was really sensitive to that it's kind of like a pop song right like even mm-hmm. if you don't like the song if it if it has certain elements to it you're going to listen to the whole thing right Ah, that's a good and, analogy. And, yeah, and that's kind of the way I felt like we needed to build a podcast was uh, have our 40-minute arc of the storyline and then have the sound quality with the intro and the outro, which you you helped us build and create, um, and then give people what they wanted in between, have them know what was going to happen along the way. And then as we got better at it, we filled in with better content and helped help the listener have a better experience, I think. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a really good snapshot of the process. And I'm actually glad you said that because I think that it's when you're trying to start something new, it's daunting already, but it, it feels like you have to have everything in place and that maybe you need to understand what it's going to look like, you know, three months from now, when in actuality, you just need to build a good structure like you described and understand where you want to go so mm. that you can start building towards that and 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 build the foundation and do that consistently and that's kind of the key like that's the secret right there is the consistency the structure the foundation yeah and sticking with it and growing um so thank you for kind of bringing that up right away i appreciate that oh sure yeah we're all about the process here so (laughs) yeah any chance we get to geek out on that uh i like to acknowledge it so that said uh if if anyone listened to last week's episode which is laura cathcart robbins episode 
Scott Slaughter is the co-host. We've mentioned him before. I know I said that in the intro, but just to reference it again. And I, I remember the first meeting we had. We were in this coffee shop in L.A., this very dark, like, weird. I think it's called the Bourgeois Pig. It and felt like a bar. It did. It like, it, at, uh-huh. like we were there at like 10 a.m. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Kind of a <laughs> interesting first meeting, and I believe it was the first week of January, um, right after the new year, and completely starting fresh. And this, and honestly, you two were the first like what I wanted my clients to be, if that makes sense. Like the type of project I had aimed for having that I wanted my business to to look like and mm. create a show from ground up, from concept uh, to where we are today and, you know, sound design it and create the structure and create the feel and the tone and the voice of it and then build in, like you said, build in everything from there. And... I had no idea that this was going to be such a wonderful and and intuitive experience. It felt very aligned, I think, from the beginning. And I have to agree. I think uh, I was thinking as you were talking that, uh, you know, I, I meet a lot of people who want to do podcasts and they have great ideas about content. And, you know, I think that content is a is it's the majority of the game but like you said the structure and the build there's so much more to it that i didn't understand at the time that i was excited about it that i was literally only looking down the road a couple of months you know like let's just do this and see what happens and as i've been able to learn with you and and you and and we met with allison that day and and even laura um is understanding the longer term commitment to these projects and how it takes a long time to build an audience to really figure out what, like you might have a great idea, but sometimes your idea is going to need to, your audience is going to tell you what they like or don't like. Yes. And then you have to be able to change that content to match it. You got to build a social media presence. You want to have a website. I mean, like all of that, I had no idea that first time we sat down and I was just sitting there going, we're so excited to do this. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to have great guests and we're going to talk on microphones and blah, 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 <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, it's just been humbling and uh, and empowering at the same time. And uh, yeah. I'm so glad that, that we had, like, I did listen to one of your episodes, the uh, the one giving permission to fuck it up episode. Nice. <laughs> and, and I love that idea because I think the, the real message in that, that episode was don't not do it because you're afraid of making a mistake. And when we met you, you were able to, like, like get us off of that sort of precipice that we were stuck on, like, we'll do it when or we'll get these things in place and then we'll do this thing we were like no like after we met you guys we just started doing yeah and and thank you by the way for listening and for bringing that up and um that comes from i'm a perfectionist that's what that comes from and Mm -hmm. i know what it's like to work with that and how hard it can be and how helpful it is to have someone else to just literally take your hand and just start taking an action step and then taking another one and then taking Mm -hmm. another one. And that, that kind of sums up my, my way of working with people because when you do one thing, the next thing shows up that you need to do. And then the next thing shows up that you need to do. And then eventually there you are, you have a show and now you have a whole brand, Mm -hmm. which is really cool to see. There's awesome merchandise. There's a beautiful website. There's awesome photography you paired right Mm -hmm. away. Yeah, uh, to brand really, things. Yeah, you, that's been really fun as well. Yeah, so there, there's so many things that fell into place, 
it leaves more room for inspiration too. I think when you have, when you start moving, then you start mm. having more ideas. It's like talking to someone like we're doing now. It's, you know, you say something and then I go, oh, right. And then this mm-hmm. happened. And that yeah. was so fun for me. Or, I, you know, it just keeps going. That's kind of what the process looks like. It's like having a, a really interesting conversation, but with action steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it also it really makes you uh, appreciate the creative capacity of a team of people as opposed to one sort of idea that you get stuck on. And I I personally, when I get one idea stuck on, I don't leave myself open to all the other possibilities that can come in and evolve and change, which is, you know, I think as a producer or whatever, it's the creator producer that I want to keep my hands on everything. Mm -hmm. But every time I bring somebody else in, they add something to the process. And I think, that was the beginning of our journey together was really just going, oh, well, that sounds like a good idea. Let's try that. Or uh, we could you know, put the music in here. I mean, we're, you and I still do that today. I think there's three emails in my box that we're talking about. Should we insert here? Should we take this out? Um, yeah, because uh, so. you're going to hear it differently than I'm going to hear it. And and honestly, like all these little things affect how we pay attention to a thing. I could be having a, a weird day or you you could be feeling a certain way and be like, oh, you know what? Like, I, we're going to make different choices under different influences, too. So it's good to have other people there to, yeah. to comment yeah. and, and well, give their perspective. For people who are building a podcast, having a team is really, you know, it's uh, imperative to me. I know that there, you know, there are people who do all the work alone, and I marvel at that. But I welcome <laughs> I welcome up outside perspective now and creative uh, grouping of people being creative at the same time. Yeah, creative collaboration. I mm-hmm. I really appreciate that as well. And uh, it's honestly, like I said, going back to saying this felt intuitive is that it just felt so fun and easy to collaborate with the both of you. There was never a moment where someone was worried about, you know, someone's idea getting crushed or, you know, it wasn't about, it wasn't about, us it was about the message and it was just bigger than that and Mm -hmm. that's something i want people to think about too as you're creating is it's you may have had the idea or someone may have thought of something but at the end of the day if if you want it to succeed it's not really for you at the end of the day it's for whoever's on the receiving end and we just build the process for them to become a part of it that's the that's the second piece right they get Mm. the listeners become a part of the process too Mm mm-hmm um, so all that said, uh, Scott, can you just help us learn a little bit more about you? Can you just tell us about maybe just a bit about your background, wherever you, I have, n- I have a, like a background that has nothing to do with podcasting. So <laughs> or creativity. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I originally came from Virginia. I spent about my first 18 years of my life in Richmond, Virginia, about 1986, a couple years after high school, I decided that, that, that perspective was not for me i ended up in park city utah for the next 18 years of my life where i uh, i went from a very uh, diverse community to a very homogenized community i lived in a ski town what uh, brought you originally to i've always wanted to ask you this what brought you originally to to that city specifically the mountains i love the idea of living in a ski town and being a ski bum and i was about 19 years old i had done a couple of years of college and just decided that I really wanted to just make a life around skiing for a long time. So I moved to a town where that was the primary goal. 
I think when I moved to Park City in 1986, there were 4,000 people there. We had two stoplights and one grocery store. I knew everybody in town. Like, you wouldn't even go to the grocery store at a certain time because you knew you'd see all these people you knew. Um, And when I left there in 2008, I think there were 40,000 people, 50,000 people. It had grown quite a bit. Wow. uh, So you were there for a long time. I was. I was there for quite a while. And while I was there, I ran a retail business and my own fly fishing business. I was a chef. I was a... You were a chef? Hold on. I was a chef. Yeah, yeah. I made pizza (laughs) and uh, I worked in a few restaurants. And uh, Now I understand why Laura makes you do all the cooking at home. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't make me. She just doesn't do the cooking. Well, you have an arrangement. (laughs) Uh She made this lasagna the other night that was insane. It was so good. Oh, nice. And no shade Mm -hmm. on Laura's cooking. But no I way. Just, like I said, it's an arrangement. I understand why you might do more yeah. of that. A lot um, of her friends are jealous that I cook. My, I'm lucky. My boyfriend <laughs> is the same. And oh, good. Yeah. It's like having a live-in chef. It's mm-hmm. the most wonderful experience to to have that taken care of. Um, yeah. And it's also wonderfully delicious. But so you but you made pizza. And did it a pizza par- Did you have a pizza parlor or no? No, I did. I worked. I worked for other people there. Um, okay. I did whatever I could. I was that true ski bum who kind of did whatever he needed to do. But I've always loved food. I love cooking. So I did that for a while. My my wife and I at the time owned a retail shop there. So I have some retail background and some advertising. I was a buyer for an outdoor store. Um, we used to go to trade shows. And so I have a history with sort of like it, it's interesting to get into podcasting because as you grow with podcasting, you get into the marketing, the advertising field. And I realized that I had overlapping skills because I had. I had been in those circles with mm-hmm. a different product for many years, but uh, it became it, like there are many times today where I'm working with people on marketing and, and stuff comes back from when I was 30. And I'm like, oh, I remember, you know, being at a corporate table oh. talking about margins and talking about like terms and just dealing with people in advertising or is a lot like dealing with people in sales. I mean, they're basically salesmen. So. It's it's so total overlap there. And now I see too, I'm, I'm like connecting all the dots here, Scott, because there's mm. all the branding that you've done for the only one in the room makes more sense now as to where oh, thank you. you're coming from and your with your background in marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, you know, fortunately, the, you know, I, I, fortunately or unfortunately, I decided to leave Park City in about 2009. There was that uh, big real estate drop and I it, it like I said it had become a place that it wasn't inviting it wasn't the same as when I moved there and I met Laura and came to Los Angeles in 2009 and really had no idea what I was going to do so <laughs> you know I was on the tails of this beautiful woman who wanted to be a writer and uh, uh, a few years back she decided that part of becoming a writer would be to brand her as a podcaster and she took a podcasting class and that's how we ended up in front of you that day Uh, at the end of her class we decided she had a piece that went viral in the Huffington Post she was finishing up her podcasting class and she said hon I think I want to start a podcast I was like great what do I do she goes just do everything I don't want to do and I was like okay (laughs) so I started um, learning about podcasting from you and Daniel and Allison and and then those skills those other skills kind of came in you know I, I did notice I had a good eye for for branding for imagery and Laura's image and uh, I'm a good consumer so I know what I like you know when I see something or hear something and I don't like it I tend to be I tend to be pretty you know people go oh yeah, yeah I hear that it's kind of like food I knew good food when I tasted it mm-hmm. my chefs always loved they would here taste this 
and I'd be like, oh, why do you want me to taste that? Because I could pick out what was up with it. And uh, mm. somehow that kind of has gone into podcasting and you and I have gone over a lot of editing pieces and sounds and bites and, you know, mm -hmm. oh, that doesn't sound right. And we uh, confer on that and try to decide what works best. And I don't know, that's kind of how it ended up. But it, it really started snowballing about six or eight months after we, you and I had that meeting, you and I and Laura and Allison mm -hmm. had that meeting. Because I really thought we were just going to be a hobby podcast for a while. Like this would just be part of a bigger process for Laura's writing. Right. When Do you remember what that shift was like when you were kind of like, oh, we, mm. we should double down more or this is going to keep going? <laughs> you know, people started to really get the podcast. Like I think for a while our, our concept was great. The only one in the room was a podcast that was for everyone. And we were told that that wasn't a good thing. Like they were I saying, know. That, yeah, that <laughs> podcasting has to be very specific. And our podcast was specific to everyone. And uh, I think as we came across the George Floyd and the reckoning that was happening during that summer, mm -hmm. the idea of what being the only one in the room. And I think we actually branded a new show at that time called The Now Normal. So we took mm -hmm. new cycle pieces and took and put them into the programming. And we focused the only one in the room on those new cycle pieces. People really started to see what the programming was about. And back to that thing you said earlier where we you realize that the show is bigger than you is when I think when people start to get the idea of it and take it a step further. Like people started seeing what we were doing and really being excited about it. And and no longer were we pushing an idea on people. We were seeing people come to us. They wanted. They started seeking us out. Uh, they wanted to be guests on the show. They wanted to be attached to the name. Laura started getting asked to do interviews. And I mean, it just, it mm -hmm. had its own life. And literally, I began to have to keep up, you know, instead of, like, yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then it became like, oh, we have a schedule. We, we want to look out a couple of months and see how many episodes uh, we have each season. And, and I think that uh, it, it's, it's now in that ever-evolving stage where we're literally trying to see where we can grow it and then where we can change it to, be, to keep it alive. Right. I think you've done that many times in these last, I guess, year now because we're heading into July. Can you believe that? To the, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like... Uh, it really is the engagement and seeing just the response from the audience and, and also from those wanting to put more highlight, like bringing Lori in for interviews and mm -hmm. getting, she did more writing. I, she started writing um, a lot more. Not that she wasn't writing before, but I feel like she was getting a lot of published publications going yeah. during that time as well. And still, which was really great to see because it felt like, oh, our, our, the whole point of starting this was to build her a big platform and, and, and it started to really pay off in that way also. And that was really cool to see just from my perspective too. Like, Oh cool. Yeah. Like it's, it's working. Like it, it is it, like it, it, it needed all the components. It needed her writing. Um, it needed her memoir work. It needed her interviewing. It needed the actual podcast itself. And it seems like they all work in conjunction with one another. Yeah, yeah. I, she always uh, made me want to play up, you know? And I think that her professionalism, her ability to, to be professional, 
Uh, it, again, it's like that framework we talked about early in the beginning of like, if you have all the framework and you got, you just want to need to start filling it in. And if you have a great idea, um, you just need to put the foundation in and I think keep adding to it. You asked me earlier too, when did I know that we had something different? You know, I think even earlier than that, that George Floyd period, there were some interviews that we did where people really had that emotional response that we wanted to create with sound. Like, I think it's something, it's a, a bit of an art to create an emotional response, like to bridge emotion in, in audio. Yeah. And I think it's one of the gifts that you have really like with the thesis, you and Laura do the thesis ideas together, but bring the thesis together with the story and then bring the sound together in, in one piece. And I knew that when we hit that mark a few times that we had something kind of like a personal journal storytelling type of thing that everybody could be a part of. I, I wanted to ask you how you ended up co-hosting because I know originally Laura was like, do everything I don't want to do. And maybe that looks like a producer or maybe that looks like, you know, whatever it looks like, but you ended up being a voice on the show. In fact, you ended up having your own segment. And I kind of remember when we were that making was your that idea. decision. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being, I remember that day, I remember being in the studio and talking about that. It, it just seemed like the right decision, but your voice was there. You you want it? I, I remember it one way, but I'm curious what what maybe really happened. Now I want to so. hear how you remember it first. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I um, feel like I remember hearing you wanting to contribute, like having thoughts and wanting to ask questions. And you know, you kind know, of- actually predating your input to it. What happened was we did a couple of practice interviews with the friends up in in the room here. And after the after Laura's interview with them, I sat down with one of my friends and I started asking her some questions about her interview. Oh. And she was a producer for NBC. And she said, oh, you should do another segment called, you know, whatever. She didn't have a name for it. You, I think you came up with a name for it later. Yeah. And she said, oh, you, it would just be another segment that had a different perspective. And then at the time, there were some mega stars who had co-hosts that we kind of liked this sort of that you know, that, that uh, interaction between the two during the interview. And uh, I think we tried it or maybe I, I, maybe you pitched it. I'm not really sure how it came to be. But I remember I wanted to do it, but I was so nervous about it. And it took me a long time to get out of that. Like, I barely spoke into the microphone the first couple of times. I remember that. Yeah, that's how you remember it, right? <laughs> but I, I, thanks for sharing that story because I didn't know that. Or if I did, I forgot about the conversation you had at the house with someone before mm-hmm. you know we jumped into things um but that makes a lot of sense now how the idea was introduced originally and and then how we kind of worked with it well, and then Laura and I have just such different ways right she's very pragmatic and she comes in you know very calculated with a really nice arc and then I come in really off like you know I'm straight off of the heart like how did this happen I'm super curious and yeah um I think we, we always preempt the Scott talks with this is be a tempo change. It's going to be me talking. And so I'm really glad we've done it. It's actually interesting enough. I don't even know. It's just how we stage it through the week. But the Scott talks is now doing more downloads than the original episode on Wednesdays. Whoa, that's a huge compliment. Well, it is. I think we've talked to some people that say it's just about how you put the two shows together. Like we could put on my nightstand on Wednesday and it would kick. It would do the same thing. Uh, so Wednesday release day is a good day. Yeah, well, it's uh, right next to the Tuesday release. So you do the Tuesday mm-hmm. and then the Wednesday. But 
But still, yeah. it's 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 a confidence builder. It's nice to be a part of the show. It's actually given me some creative freedom. Like I've been doing, uh, as you know, some uh, spoken word pieces and some artists that I am intrigued with. Um, mm-hmm. And I do get to ask questions that don't get asked during the show, or or you know, I one of my friends told me as he listened, he said, "Oh, you're like the first guest who gets to ask questions." Like we we've been listening. Yes. You're the voice of the listener. Yeah, and then on Wednesday, you're the voice of the listener who comes back in. And and just to clarify for the listener real quickly, Scott Talks is a segment that comes the next day after the full episode. That's what we call it, the the long interview. The only one in the room long interview releases on Tuesdays. And then Scott has his own segment called Scott Talks. It's usually about 10 minutes long that happens on Wednesday. Uh, it's kind of similar like what I'm doing right now, actually, mm-hmm. on the show, which is the long interview, which is today, what we're doing right now with you, Scott. And then we'll do another segment that we'll release tomorrow, also on Wednesday. So, yeah, that's what Scott Talks is. And and, and for those in the know, like yeah, this was your idea, was that um, production-wise, it's, it's super easy, right? Like we can sit down in the same interview, cut two pieces, release a short one the second day. And what we're doing is basically bringing more people back to the original episode. Right. Uh, by bringing it's them in on point. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it's it's brilliant. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, and for those who are interested in podcasting, the, the hack is what Scott is talking about, where we're, we're going to record tomorrow's episode at the same time we're recording this today. It's Don't just tell anybody. Be, <laughs> well, this is a how-to, you know, let's be transparent. <laughs> Why not, right? I mean, I, yeah, know, people, I don't like people, to harbor or hold on to secrets, you know. It's no, like, no, I think it, it, it's... Uh, People want to know how this thing works, too. You know, I think it, that, that yeah. was one of the things that I didn't know coming in. It's, you know, how podcasting, how people made money or how, you know, how do you, how do you build a, uh, an audience? How do you build a base? And this is mm-hmm. one of those hacks that really it's not doing anything dishonest. It's really giving people a second chance to get something they didn't get on Tuesday. You know, right. It, it's the only hack is the the time management part it's mm-hmm. just being able to just keep going for the extra 20 minutes or whatever it takes to record the other part that you want to shift gears into and as long as the guest knows what's up and be like hey we're gonna pause here and start another uh, quick segment and i'll be talking like if it's you scott you know like i'll be the one asking questions or mm-hmm. i got yeah, to they- fill in for you once and that was fun you did yeah 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 <laughs> Well, and the other thing it does is it gives people um, a chance to hear your brand and your product, your content, without having to sit down for 40 minutes. Yeah. So, so that was another thing we ran into. Like, our episodes were so engaging. Here, the, the first season, you know, we had a certain amount of growth. It was pretty minimal comparatively to where we are now. But people would say, I like to grab a blanket and, and, and tell everybody to leave me alone and cut off the lights and listen. And I was thinking, well, who's going to listen to that in a car, right, on their way to work? Like it's too, it's too engaging. Uh, yeah. So the Scott talks was a nice way to do a 15 minute recap and, mm-hmm. and get a general vibe for what was happening during the episode. And it's kind of like offering a brunch, I guess, as opposed to a sit down dinner, you know, like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. It's the power lunch. It's the, it's the one where you, like you said, you can listen to on the drive and there's some, there's also, as I listen to them now, there's an element of mystery where I don't know enough. 
So it's intriguing. Mm. I don't know all the details, but I can get a sense of what this story is about and what this person is about based on the Scott talks. And that's where the entry point that you're speaking to comes from. It's the, it's just enough and it's mm-hmm. short enough that it's digestible where I go, Oh, I, I'm dealing with that right now. I want to know more. I'm going to go back and listen to this full episode next. I like that. I like that. One of the things I don't think we've talked about is that- you know, when we first got into podcasting was we were kind of like a hobby podcast. We were really doing it for fun and we thought we were doing it to make money. We weren't really after monetizing. We hadn't really understood what it took to monetize our podcast and to sell advertising. Mm. Um, and I think that's the shift you've seen from your perspective, because I know your business has grown as production. Yeah. So we've grown as far as the marketing aspect as well and looking at how to advertise and and then how to market ourselves. Those are two different things that we probably for two years weren't even addressing. We were literally letting lipstick and vinyl provide us with all the advertisers. Yeah. And then we didn't do any type of marketing, meaning we weren't going out to platforms and asking them to promote our podcast on their platforms. And that's one of the things that's really changed for us in this past year. Yeah. So Laura talks in depth about that in her episode. So if you want to learn more about how they did that and and what they did and what's happening right now in podcasting for marketing that that you can do that's a great episode to listen to in companionship with this one um so thanks for bringing that up Mm because that was a big big pivot that grew your numbers quite a bit quite a bit like exponentially in short amounts of time and just to clarify one other thing you mentioned about lipstick and vinyl that is an ad agency that we talk about allison being at that first meeting, that was her agency. Uh, it's a podcast ad agency. And she and I worked in partnership when we could, her doing ad stuff and me doing production stuff, particularly for the only one in the room. And so luckily, that was a really, that's very rare where um, that happens for a new podcast, just so people know for expectations. It's great if you can find cool partnerships like that, where you can have an ad agency right away who's willing to go to bat for you before you have any numbers so -hmm. that was a cool thing to have i also will say that every brand new show because i work with people who've never done anything like this before those are that's the majority of my clients the first year is just getting the process down i i agree Mm -hmm. i think even for even for us that was that was true even though we were getting hand fed some ads we really weren't getting the numbers that that they deserved and yeah um, i think that uh, i always tell people when they're building a podcast don't worry about your first year just get get it, uh, get get it, it down going. yeah because you don't here's the thing is we had some really big stars come on our first year some really big names yeah and the, the reality is we didn't have enough listeners to really get the feedback that we needed from that like had we not, mm-hmm. not that anything wrong with, with you know, because we do have a, a library now of, of great shows. But I think, you know, really, for me, one of the biggest lessons was trying to look at this thing as a two to four year sort of, this is where we're going with this. And not just like, oh, yeah, we'll get this person on and it'll be amazing. And it's like, eh. Yeah, it's not a viral experience. It's a long game mm-hmm. business structured experience, if yeah. that's what you're interested in. Unless, like you said, and your your goals and successes are being fulfilled by just the fun of it, by it being a hobby, yeah, that's great too. You just have to know what is going to be fulfilling for you as the podcaster, the creator, and uh, why you're doing it. So I talk about why a lot because that can get muddied as you go along as well. For real, 
and staying connected to that is it's gonna keep the train moving as well mm. or not sometimes it's about stopping <laughs> honestly if you're yeah. if it's not the thing that it needs to be and and reimagining what it could be and then maybe it's just a different podcast mm-hmm. perhaps you know and a different game plan which is okay too i just want to mention that for those listening so all that said i want to jump in a little bit into the the what i'm going to call the big pivot which was you know, we, we did all of this stuff. We talked a lot about how, how we began and even up to where we are now with the brand. But there was a moment where we couldn't be in person anymore. We couldn't go to the studio. We couldn't rely on our in-person team. We had to kind of figure it out. And that could have been a stopping point. You know, speaking of keeping it going, that could have been a moment where you went, this, there's no way, this is too hard, this is too expensive, I don't know how to build a studio, I'm not going to do that, and I guess we're done. But you didn't do that. You leaned in and made a very different decision. I'm curious about the thought process. Like, What convinced you that it was worth it and that you could do it? Huh. You know, I think we all sat there in March of 2020, March and April, and we were processing what was going on around us and trying to envision what the next year might look like for all for everybody. You know, I just remember just being like, what are we going to do? And we were solid year and a half into this project. We were all studio at that point, we had done everything in a studio. So everything we had learned, we had a sound guy, we had you, <laughs> we had all the equipment. And uh, I think all along the way, Christina, I had always envisioned, uh, uh, like, what would I want in the studio while we were doing that? Like, what mm. would I, how, like, you said I was into the photography. I love taking pictures of the clients. I got to take some pictures of stars before I ever even, you know. It's pretty amazing. New, yeah. So I had envisioned this idea of a studio, like, and I still have a vision. Like, if money were no issue, what would my studio look like? And it would be a place where... You know, we could all go and be creative. It would have a, a, a photography studio in it. It would have video mm-hmm. set up. It would have all the mics. You could do everything with a push button. That'd be cool. So, yeah, so the idea being that I always have something I'm looking forward to. And during COVID, you know, it was like either stop doing what you're doing, like you just said a few minutes back. Sometimes just stopping is the right answer. But we didn't feel like it was the right answer at the time. And we had a great sound guy, Daniel Turek, who became my consultant. And I started calling. Huge call- shout out to Yeah, Daniel. huge shout out to Daniel. And uh, Daniel freely gave his information and uh, said, yeah, man, you can do a home studio and you can uh, use your office and you can use, you can either get it professionally sound treated or you can just naturally sound treat it with so-and-so. And we started building from there. What's so-and-so? How do you naturally sound? Uh, sorry, we need to know because that's interesting. He was saying like with furniture, couches, with uh, ah. pictures, there are certain elements. Like if you ever looked at, I, and this is insider ball, but with, I, I do uh, Zoom with Daniel and I'll be checking out his studio. And he has a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of soft cloth on the wall. And mm-hmm. so you can naturally, you can use the drapes that are hanging in there. You can close your wooden doors. They're all sound absorbers. And then we decided, yeah, we decided to take it a little further. And I called a company that did uh, soundproofing. And they basically build these little units. They're, you know, you measure out a section of your wall. You send them, like, your measurements. And they build you 
you know, less than a thousand bucks, I soundproofed or, or sound treated the room and had a guy come in and hang them for me. Great. Yeah. So we committed. We were like, all right, we're just going to go for it. And that opens another uh, doors of conversation. But I mean, honestly, what we had missed not having a remote studio, we had missed some really big interviews because we could yeah. not get the guests to come to our studio in Los Angeles. Like one of the things I suggest to people is is a, a sound consultant. I think Daniel was indispensable at the time because what he did is he told me exactly what I needed and exactly what I didn't need. The next thing he did is he sent me to a place. It's a supply company called Sweetwater, and they have a yes. te- they have a tech on site. It's, and so it's a perfect resource to basically call and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I need. And they'll pick out the equipment for you and help you. And then if you buy stuff that you don't need, you send it right back. They send you a call slip. There's no restocking fee. And it's it's a remarkable way of like self-teaching yourself. And Daniel hooked me up with his guy there. And then we started building. We just started getting a couple mics. We had we had used the Sure mics in the studio. And one of the things I like about Sure mics is that they have a, a like a natural compression system, so you don't need to worry about ambient sound. So you don't need a completely soundproof room. These mics will uh, dampen the sound for you and make you sound, you know, it'll it'll pick up where I left off in, in the soundproofing. Um, mm. We use uh, interface with cloud lifters. So we use, uh, we power up the mics in order to give them a little bit more sound. Do you know what that is to be able to describe what a cloud power lifter is? Well, a cloud, basically, uh, Daniel would shoot me, I'm sure, if he was listening. But basically, these mics need a little bit of power outage, powering to get the sound up. Um, otherwise, they're very soft-sounding mics. So, Is it phantom power, do you know? Uh, yeah, it comes off of the interface, actually. Um, okay. And, uh, and then it runs into an interface that channels everything into our computer, my, my desktop. And, you know, I, I think... All of that stuff is a class of its own. I know you know, like buying storage systems for audio and for video, having a computer that can process information quickly. All of those things are, I think, super important if you're going to get into this because it's nothing like sitting for two hours waiting for a MP3 to download. (laughs) It's not fun. (laughs) And so having that stuff, I had a lot of that stuff in place from photography. Um, ah, okay. So I had a, I have a really big storage system set up for all my photos, and all of that incorporates into audio and the video that we also use. So that makes sense. Yeah, and man, it just opened so many doors for us. And that's when we started. And you'll 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 agree. That's when we started doing more shows because we didn't have to go anywhere. There was no more barrier once you spent the money. The cost of the studio is finished like to a degree Um, degree. unless you're continuing to buy more storage for files and things like that there's things that come in to play but overall you're you know we were we were paying for those studios i should say you were paying for those studios Mm -hmm. every time we use them by the hour yeah well that's that's interesting that's what i did i actually sat down and looked at how much we paid for studios for a month and in three months we we saved in the studio what we would have spent three months uh, yeah. Or saved in the in-house studio, buying the in-house studio, what we would have spent paying for a studio. And it, it was a right. no-brainer. The other thing I'll say about uh, audio equipment is that if you buy good quality audio equipment, the resale value on it is really, really good. So even if it doesn't turn out you do it for three, five years, in a year or two, you, for a sure mic, you can a sure mic will resell for like a Toyota, you know, like three-quarters of what you paid for it. 
Okay, that's really good to know. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that part, so the, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, you just got to be a little savvy at selling it on on their avenues where you can sell it, eBay being you know, sort of the bottom line, but there are other electri- electronic specialty resales like computers do. But oh. So I, I've always looked at it as an investment that way. Yeah, that's that's a smart way to think about it as you're purchasing gear and equipment is it seems if you go a little higher in the tier, a little more professional, there might be some opportunity for resale value there versus, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we're talking kind of about building a, a more professional studio where you have guests come in and it sounds like you are in a studio that we would pay for. If someone is just starting out, I don't recommend doing the full setup. I think just start, just get started so mm-hmm. that you can get a feel for whether it's something you enjoy and that it's your thing. And then from there, grow into, you know, figure out what, what it'll cost you and start saving up for that and start piecing it together. But allow yourself room to let it happen in phases. Yeah, it's been that way for us. And, you know, kind of as like like I was saying earlier, as we use it more and it becomes, you know, like I think we got some feedback from you this week about how good we did an in-person interview the other day. Sounded good, yeah. Um, yeah, it just lends more credibility t- to putting more into it later, you know? So, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things you feel like uh, the, the the more you do it, the more you learn about it. The more you learn about it, the more craft you bring to it. And the more craft you bring to it, the more creative it becomes. And, and you know, when the finished product's out there, you can be really proud of it. Yeah, that's it, a great way to, to distill that down. And then it's also the reason you became more creative because you got to do more shows, more episodes a week and really explore what the only one in the room can be and how you can show up for mm-hmm. your listeners. Because I feel like you really, really showed up during that time when people needed to hear the types of information, not just stories, but information that yeah. you were putting out and if anyone's interested, like go back to last summer's episodes and listen to a few of them, particularly the COVID Warriors was the first uh, rendition of Now Normal that happened on Thursdays. And they were fascinating. They were frontline people dealing with COVID, uh, nurses, uh, people who had it, uh, firemen, policemen, lifeguards. Yes. Um, and then we had the, uh, during the, the unrest, uh, we were able to focus our show on people who are experiencing that uh, at a level that uh, is raw. And, you know, the other thing during COVID is I thought, I think people really thought that they were going to be detached from the world. And mm-hmm. podcasting brought uh, people into people's stories, into people's lives, I guess. And it, I, th- I personally think it allowed people to feel less alone during a time of uncertainty. Hundred percent. I think it brought in that connection that video doesn't necessarily offer mm-hmm. in the same way, or if, if at all, it's just different. Um, and, and actually, I re I, I started this up again too. My during around the same time for that reason, I wanted to provide space that felt safe and felt I uplifting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all need. I think we did it for us, but we we like to think we did it for other people. <laughs> I know it's true though, but that's those are the best things when they have to serve both wise. You know, they have to be for us. If they're not for us at all, then you're not going to keep doing it for anyone else for very long. Right. That's what it right. boils down to. <laughs> we need yeah. to self serve a little bit, if not fifty uh, fifty, in my opinion. Uh huh. I, I yeah. Agree. So speaking of, to all of that, first of all, doesn't Daniel make everything feel so easy and yeah. doable? 
<laughs> he does. And he's just like, no worries. No worries. Yeah. Oh, no worries. We Sorry, can do Daniel. that. Sure. No worries. <laughs> yep. I, I, I have to say he's on my team as well and does a lot of post-production for me consistently. You were, and You were smart to do that. Oh, my gosh. I'm so... I, I was wrestling with how to bring on a team member. He was the first person I ever, quote unquote, hired mm-hmm. back in, when was that? I think it was the first month of 2020. Yeah, we, that, that was last year. It feels like right. a million years ago because 2020 is so weird. But, uh, it was, it's true. It was the best decision I ever made. It just allowed me to see how I can let go of the process a little bit too, like you were saying, needing mm-hmm. to grip so hard on everything. It's like good to have other ears and eyes on things but he really does make everything feel doable and simple and easy i don't know if that's what the process felt like with yours you had a bigger process to walk it was bigger but it was still easy and i think you know if you guys are out there listening and you're like oh you guys are in los angeles and you got a sound consultant (laughs) yeah the the reality was daniel wasn't a sound consultant before i called him i basically said he would give me advice he would help me out. We would hook some stuff up. It would work. And then I decided to pay him for his time. That's how it worked out. And then he started consulting from that perspective. So we created a position in a time where I think that even he was looking to pivot and, and find some other type of you know work that evolved around what he loved to do. And um, we just happened to have that. It's the same way we started with with you, Barcy. Is that we we had ideas and needed help, and you said, "Well, maybe maybe I can do that." And then we we would yeah. do it, and then it would become something. So right. I'm just I'm just telling people like if you're if you're you really believe in what you're doing, and you can find a sound engineer somewhere in your area, you can talk to them about equipment. You can call this guy at, at Sweetwater and say, "I'm starting a podcast. What do I need?" And they they'll help you make the most of your dollar and of your time. I think it's really Yeah. And important. you know, you did this remotely. So it doesn't need to be someone who comes over and, you know, wires needs to your be house. Yeah. Local even. I, and I'll ask Daniel if this is okay, but I'll put his information and in, see if he wants to do more of this uh, yeah, for anyone for sure. who's listening. He'll be like, no worries, man. Um, so just huge shout out to Daniel because he's great at it. He's done it for some of my clients too. The other, the other thing I think having a home studio does is it allows you to be more creative. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own because I got my own space, you know? Yes, And, and yes. I think for you know anybody out there who really wants to do something but they're nervous and they're not sure people are going to like it, just getting, like you were saying, like we were talking about, just do it. Just do it. Find your own space, get it to where you like it, and then put it out there, and you'll learn from it. And now I, I like my voice. I had somebody on the show not long ago tell me how much they like my voice and how, you know, how safe it sounded or something. And I was like, "That's really from that guy who was so nervous to even be on air to you know somebody saying that they listened and enjoyed my presence or they they you know it's like it's just such a turnaround." That's really beautiful. And and I'm so happy to hear that you're getting that kind of feedback. You do have a great voice. And I do hear the difference over the time mm. in your confidence when you get on mic. And I hear you enjoying the process, which is a different energy, right? Than when oh we're God. going, when we're feeling uncomfortable. So Tell that's them. been really great to see. And it takes time, you know, and it takes good it people around you. And it takes a good team. 
and you, you've been a big part of that. I mean, they literally, I, I sit back every now and then when I'm recording and I think about some of the things you said to me in the studio Aww. a couple of years ago, like, try to enunciate more, try to speak deeper. Yeah, just some things that really still come out, you know, uh, which is really That's funny. That's great. Uh-huh. That is funny because... I don't remember half of the things I say. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's okay. always it's always interesting to hear what sticks for others, and and I always we you know, welcome and appreciate that feedback. So mm-hmm. that's you're, fun. That's fun for me. I should say you're a teacher. Oh, thanks. I I have a tendency to like to nurture, mm-hmm. and that's where my teacher side comes in. I just want everyone to feel good <laughs> and feel safe and be their best. <laughs> that's great. You're like my daughter. Oh, yeah. Which one? Uh, Lily, my oldest, is like that. Yeah? Uh-huh. She wants everybody to feel good. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't, by mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It it's is. okay to fuck it up, right? Permission it, to fuck it up. Please. Yeah. Speaking of fucking things up, was there uh, a moment during the process of creating the studio or any other moment you want to talk about that was, like, surprisingly frustrating or difficult? Um, I don't know. There's been so many things that are challenges. You know, I think the hardest thing, I'm 52 years old and I think I'm, I'm in a world, podcasting is a world that seems to be run by 30 to maybe even 25 year olds now. Like a lot of the internet guys or like the guys who are doing websites and the advertising guys, they're like 25, 35. And I think one of the hardest things for me has just been staying teachable, you know, trying to trying to stay in a position where of, of like I'm paying for this I'm, I'm this is my investment but I'm teachable too it's a it's a tough balancing act for me and it involves a lot of humility and I think going back to that statement of like okay hey explain to this to me like I'm in fourth grade because I'm a little bit of a slow learner but I, I'm, I'm really good once I learn things I think recording wise we've had we did an interview with Randy Jackson it was fantastic he came on, talked. He was so into us. He wanted to write a song because he's the only one in the room. Oh. And then the recording was gone when we finished. I remember oh that. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Luckily, and, he's amazing. I mean, there, I know that you know this, and you and I have probably never spoken directly about it, but that moment where you're sitting in front of the screen and you realize you cannot find the recording no matter how hard you look. I mean, that sense of panic I don't even want to tell Laura what's going on. You know, that imposter syndrome syndrome sets in where you think I shouldn't be doing this. Fuck it. I'm done. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, and then you just go, you know, we called him back and he so graciously did a second interview. And it was really unfortunate because the first one had all the emotion and it had all the inspiration in it. And the second one, you could just tell he was doing it for us. Yeah. And we've had a couple of those moments. I think those are the hard times, I think, for me as the person in production where I take it so personally, like, I really screwed this up. But, but like, your whole episode and, like, just go ahead. Like, we get around it. We figure it out. We pivot. We, we make changes. Or we just straight up front people and say, you know what? We lost that interview. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. And, and I know that. It's such. It's so painful. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling, and I feel like I lived in that panic the first year of business when I started in like 2018, where I just constantly felt like I was doing it wrong, mm-hmm. and I constantly was worried about losing the files or screwing it up, or you know, and, and it's on someone else's dime, and it's not my, it's not even my show, and you know, all of that was constant panic, mm-hmm. and 
those moments where you lose someone's stuff. You, you get an hour of somebody's, you know, time that is oh, gets paid yeah. a lot an hour. It's it's so painful and scary. It just feels scary. It does feel scary. And I remember you guys calling me then, and I, <laughs> I, felt, I felt for you, and I, I felt so bad that I could not help you because there was just nothing to do. It was just gone. No, it was gone. And you know, I've I've since learned a couple of tricks to backing up. And we, you and I, have played yeah. with platforms, and I've actually spent time with Daniel going through. And I have another computer guy. You can go through all of these different things on your computer, and they they. It, 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 yeah, sa- it, sa- it. it saves it without you knowing it, but I didn't know any of that at the time. And that's why I say staying teachable and staying learning, you know, uh, making mistakes and just going after it, trusting, trusting that you believe in your concept, your content, your idea. Those seem to be the things that keep me moving. Um, I have a great partner. Laura is just one of the most creative people I know. And I really feel like my job has been to just bring that out to the world if I make it about her and not about me it becomes a much easier process for me and then I get I get to be a part of this process instead of feeling like it 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 owns me you know yeah that's really beautiful I know I keep saying that but you have such a nice way of of putting your thoughts together Mm. and reflecting on your experience so I just, I appreciate that. There's there streams of consciousness. I could never repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I really didn't know what I would be when I was 50, you know? But when I heard about podcasting, I thought that'd be pretty cool to say I'm a podcaster. <laughs> and now I really feel like I'm a podcaster, like that I'm a, a part of something that is real and a part of the world uh, and, and a part of a real creative envelope one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about but if anybody's been around podcasting is the freedom of the content that you get to put out there it's just so cool like we don't have anybody telling us what we have to say or what's good or what's bad we get to pick it's like old school radio with no you know advertisers saying shame on you or you should talk more about that we get to we get to put out in the world what we think is important and find our niche, our niche. And uh, I don't know, I just feel really lucky to be a part of it. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree all the way, 100%. Yeah, I know you do. You, you, you like to build You like to build things. I like to build things, but I like the freedom to say whatever the F anyone needs to say. You know, so how can we connect with you? I'm I'm D Scotty six three three on Instagram. Uh, D Scott six three three at Gmail. Uh, we're at the only one pod dot com. I love to talk about startups. If people are interested in in starting up, I can tell you what I did do and what I didn't do. I can tell you where I thought I made a mistake and what I would change. Yeah, I, I if you if you have any questions, give me a shout. I'd love to see people motivated. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Scott, for talking so in depth with me about all of this Uh, it was quite a journey in real life and quite a journey in this conversation so Uh, thank you it's been really fun to kind of dive in again this is a really nice way to catch up because it was a little bit personal a little bit business a little bit it always is Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) thank you thank you christina thank you for listening to be bold begin don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so as not to miss an episode So the best way to ensure you get all the new episodes is by subscribing. Help us build a positive community by joining the Facebook group, also called Be Bold Begin. I'll be checking it daily to answer and acknowledge any of your questions and comments. 
stay positive and safe out there.